it was when I took charge of like, I have to own my greatness and my side of the street so that I can show up more, more fully for myself, my partner, my kids. And that opened the door to the work that I'm doing today with the other spouses. Welcome back to the Impact Entrepreneur Show, where we have conversations with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, athletes, best-selling authors who are using their impact moment to have a game-changing impact in the lives of others. There is something to be said about the benefits of stepping outside your comfort zone, and I did a lot of that in 2017. As a result, I met some incredible people who are having a game-changing impact in the lives of others. And we've now become friends. And one of those people is Kelly Clements. We met at Pete Vargas's Reach Live Summit. And Kelly just had one of those bright smiles that made me feel immediately comfortable and as if I were at home. Turns out we know and have collaborated with or been influenced by some of the same brilliant people. One of those people is the prolific author, speaker, Matthew Kelly. Now, after a decade of coaching extremely successful individuals in their businesses, Kelly understands where the true power comes from, the relationship that they have with their spouse specifically. This precious relationship is the driver for success, yet somehow it's the very relationship that can suffer the most. These people seemingly have it all, but still ask for something more. And after years of hearing this story again and again and seeing the pattern on repeat, Kelly has created a process to not only revive these relationships, but help these relationships thrive. So bust out your pens and paper, take some notes, and brace for impact as Kelly Clements teaches us the important role play has in our ability to perform at peak levels in business, at home, and within our most important relationships. Kelly Clement, welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. Very excited to have you part of our peak performance series. And you're going to be especially focusing on relationships since that is your core expertise and where you rock it in this world. Yes, it's definitely where my passion is and um, you have a lot of purpose going on there. So I appreciate you having me on this. I'm really excited to share with your audience. Yes. And you just released a new book all about play and relationships and everything. So we're going to talk a lot about that. But what was it like growing up in your family? What was your family dynamics like as a kid? That's the best question. I always say it was like the perfect childhood. I grew up, my dad was an entrepreneur. My mom was a flight attendant. So um, we had a lot of autonomy in the house. We traveled a lot. And one of the best things about my childhood was that my parents went on a date night every single Saturday night. So I remember every Saturday night they were getting ready and they didn't go out like for dinner or a book club. Like they went out dancing. And so I, I remember going shopping with my mom at Contempo Casuals, which is like today's version of Forever 21, like the club <laughs> clothes and I remember them getting ready and I remember the, the way my dad always smelled like Old Spice when they went out. And so every Saturday growing up, we had a babysitter. Um, once a year, we had a babysitter for at least a week to 10 days because they went on a trip together. So I grew up in a house where the, their marriage came first and we were just kind of along for the ride and I wouldn't have it any other way. It was a great example. That's awesome. What, what was, when you were a kid, what did you want to be? Like when you looked at, <laughs> when you think back about like your, your childhood and you think back about your mom and your dad, and they're two different roles. What did you want to be? I wanted to be an astronaut. And this was a defining moment. Um, I remember in fourth grade, the teacher said that we had just come in from recess and the teacher was like, okay, we're going to do a report on what you want to be when you grow up. 
and my hand was the first in the air. I said, Mrs. Gizio, I'm going to be an astronaut. <laughs> and this little boy, Brian, who had a crush on me said, Kelly, you can't be an astronaut. You have to be smart to be an astronaut. <laughs> oh and I was gosh. like, oh, Brian likes me because I'm fun. And like in that moment, I adopted the fun persona. Like that was, I, I, I went to school and majored in recreation because it was fun. And now I'm writing a book about play. Like it was a defining moment in my life, which yeah. definitely happened for me. Right. Right. Yeah. It happened for you. And still like, what did, when, like, so you ought to, you've pivoted toward fun, but when you reflect back on that, were there any like, like hurts or did that like place any false narratives in your mind about whether you were smart? Um, I think so. Like I just, I, I, I just leaned in more to the strength of being fun and life of the party and, you know, mm-hmm. high spirited. So I leaned, I did really lean into that strength, but I do remember when I started getting into my purpose, I remember, you know, writing down some of my goals and writing out some strategies. And I was like, I'm actually really smart. You know, when you get into your zone of genius and that is where it's the first time I ever experienced it. Like I was never Mm -hmm. a great student, but it was the first time I really tasted my intelligence and went, oh man, like I'm really good at this. And embracing that was, you know, definitely the next launching pad. What is the, where did the phrase zone of genius come from? I love that. That's a really good question, and I'm sure I'll misquote it. So my background is a strategic coach. So unique ability is is a working term that I've used a lot. Zone of genius is, you know, came into my radar when I talk about unique ability or it's God given gifts or it's zone of genius. Like they're all terms that describe the same thing, which to me is purpose. Mm-hmm. And so I can't give absolute credit to who came up with that term originally, but it's just one of the um, the words that resonates with the most people. Yeah, as you and I, as you know, I, you know, I'm one of the reasons you and I resonated so much when we met at Pete Vargas's Advance Your Reach is because we're both all about purpose. Yes. And helping other people discover their purpose and really live it out in such a way that they're maximizing their potential in this world. And I was just immediately drawn to you. You know, there's like people in that you encounter in your life where you're like, that person has a light, right? Mm-hmm. They have a they have a gift. And you and I were sitting in the same row and I saw that in you and we struck up a great conversation and built have been be- building a, a great relationship and friendship. And and I, I appreciate you. And you were the first one to actually talk at, at and introduce yourself at that event. And I I never really I don't think I actually properly thanked you, but I'm I'm grateful that you took initiative. It was the first conference I had been to that wasn't directly related to the financial services industry, which is my core gig. And it was way outside of my comfort zone. And I'm so grateful I went because I met incredible people like yourself. Thank you. Besides what you're doing right now, of course, what was your most favorite job? Either high school or college or... So definitely Disney Cruise Line. I, as I said, I majored in recreation and that took me on a path to work at a lot of hotels and resorts. And um, Disney World was one of my early career experiences. And that took me to Disney Cruise Line, which was six months on board the ship and running the parties and the entertainment. And every time we were in a port, we got to go off and have the day off and play around on the island and rent jet skis. And all the tour operators knew the crew because we were there every week. So that was definitely my favorite. And it was all money in the bank. Right, like mm-hmm. everything on the ship was free. So when we got off, we had six months of of our 
contract money just <laughs> sitting in the bank waiting for us. So that was a great gig. What did you learn? What What are some of the key takeaways from your experience on the cruise line around service, around experience, around uh, your own skill set that you still carry forward today? 100% is the, the concept of front stage, backstage. So the front stage is what the customers see. And no matter what, you pull that off without a hitch. It doesn't matter what kind of chaos is going on behind the scenes. There's like, when, once you're on, you are on. Like everything that's happening backstage is for our eyes only. We don't talk about it with guests. Like we are putting on a show, whether you're checking somebody in at a restaurant or taking care of their kids or, you know, being a friend of Mickey, which is their code word for the characters. Like, it's a show and um, you know, you, you check the baggage at the door as soon as you get front stage with them. That's awesome. I, I love that. And, and you know, there's so many things that we can take from that in terms of our own, how we take that same concept of front stage, backstage and deploy that in our everyday life, our businesses. I, I think of just my interactions with my own clients. I mean, there's so much going on in the background that they don't know about. And it's our responsibility to keep that, chaos away from them so that they can have that quote unquote Disney cruise or Ritz Carlton experience. Totally. Yep. It gives them confidence. So you've been focused on play for basically your whole life since the fourth grade. <laughs> um, and the and the importance of, of of that in our daily lives, but also as entrepreneurs. What was the impact moment though that launch you on your current path, your trajectory where you said, I'm going to be basically a play coach. I'm going to be a coach to entrepreneurial spouses and I'm going to teach them about the importance of play. What was the moment that, that where you're like, I have to do this? Yes. I Crystal clear in my mind. So I've been coaching entrepreneurs for 15 years, going back to when I started working with Dan Sullivan at Strategic Coach. And Outside looking in, young, naive, naive 25-year-old girl, when you're in the workshop room with all of these successful entrepreneurs and you know they're, they're giving all the credit to their spouse and I couldn't do this without my wife or my husband at home and all of this stuff. And I thought, man, how great would it be to be married to an entrepreneur? <laughs> you can take all the time off you want. You never have to worry about cash flow. We can travel the world together. I could go to brunch every day with my friends. Like this is this is the mental construct that I set as being married to an entrepreneur. Again, the operative word here is naive. And so then um, fast forward a few years, and I'm in a relationship with an entrepreneur. This was I had been married and divorced. I had this is my next like most significant relationship. And the reality of what it took to keep up with him and his business and the lifestyle was obviously very different than that naive 25-year-old constructed in her mind. And I remember really losing myself. Like, And I'm, I consider myself a pretty strong, independent, ambitious woman. And I remember just looking around one day and being like, I didn't I have my own stuff around here somewhere? Like, All of my relationships became his. Like, Everything was orbiting around the business. And we were, in a, we were in an intense period of crisis in his business. So a lot of times I just kind of chalked it up to the season. And what I know about entrepreneurship is <laughs> it's, a, it's a constant season of crisis if you let it. Mm -hmm. 
And so I just thought it was, it was, you know, me and the, the season that we were in. And then I was coaching a workshop. I was coaching a life book workshop. It's a four-day workshop. And I was with um, 12 other entrepreneurial couples who had come in from all over the United States to, to go through this program together. So I'm in the room with these couples. So again, it's four days. Day one, really dynamic conversations, really powerful breakthroughs. Everyone's engaged. Day two, about halfway through, the spouses, and in this case, all the spouses were wives, start to pull back. And it's, it's the men that are dominating the conversation. So at lunchtime, I said, time out. Like, what happened? There's a, there's a dramatic shift in the energy here. Did, did something happen? And it was silent. And I said, I have two and a half more days. I can wait, but I need to know if something's going on. And one woman, her name was Jody, finally raised her hand and she said, Kelly, I have no idea how to do this. Like, I don't know how to think about my life. I don't know how to set these goals. And even if it did, even if I did, I don't even feel like it would matter. Like, where would it go? And she was like speaking like exactly my words. And I looked around the room. Every other spouse is either nodding or crying. Mm. And it blew open this huge conversation about, you know, entrepreneurs tend to be very alpha and charismatic. And, you know, they, they, they can suck people into their vision, which is, you know, what we need to grow a business. But in that, like all the oxygen gets sucked out of the room. And often it's the spouse that feels like, Where's my, Mm. you know, where's my stuff? And so I found myself coaching the spouses on how to be coached, how to think about their lives, like how to draw the line between self care and support. Because it, you know, in supporting an entrepreneur, a lot of times we're the last ones that that you know we take we take care of ourselves last. So it's drawing the line between self care and support, so we can step up more fully. Because I believe it takes two extraordinary people to create one extraordinary relationship. And for me, like the defining moment was when my partner looked at me and he said, where's Kelly? Like, where's that woman I fell in love with? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm waiting under the table for like some crumbs to fall of your time and energy and attention. And like, I don't know. And it was, it was my fault because I had let myself go and I was looking to him to tick all the boxes of my happiness because mm-hmm. I had given it, I had given everything that I had to him in the business. And, you know, it's, it's something that he couldn't reciprocate. And, you shouldn't reciprocate. So it was when I took charge of like, I have to own my greatness and my side of the street so that I can show up more, more fully for myself, my partner, my kids. Um, and that opened the door to the work that I'm doing today with the other spouses. Such a powerful story. And you know, my wife, who you've had the opportunity to visit with uh, also on the phone, you know, we talk about the importance of understanding that neither she nor I will truly complete the other. Right. Such a myth. I think that that is such a, a, a problem with a lot of people today is that they, they end up in these relationships and specifically married relationships where they, they believe that the, the spouse is going to complete them. Now, in our, in our case, as you know, we're Catholic and we practice our faith. And so like in our case, like God is our full source of completion, right? And, and then our, our married relationship. But it's not something that a lot of couples even have in their sphere of influence when they're thinking about that. So if you were sitting across from a couple today who is, they've got a good solid foundation. They're, you know, they, they know a lot about each other and their strengths and weaknesses, but they, they don't have that understanding that the other person is never going to fully complete them. Mm-hmm. What conversation would you have with them? How would you tee it up and begin to 
plant that seed in their relationship? It always it always orbits around purpose for me. And so you talk about God, and you know I said earlier, God given gifts. Like when I can get both people orbiting around the same purpose, that's when a lot of the tension seems to go away. And so when we talk about purpose, because especially in entrepreneurship, when when the entrepreneurs tend to be very purpose driven, it can leave the spouse feeling what I call purpose envy. Like every day we wake up and we see you walk out the door, you have this huge purpose, and we can't set, we can't be separated from our purpose, right? Like it's like trying to take the German out of a Mercedes, like they're, <laughs> they're, they're hitched. Right. And so when one person is serving that purpose so diligently and the other person's like, I don't even know if I have a purpose, you know, maybe I don't even have a purpose and we're, we're, it's in our face all the time. That purpose and envy can degrade the, the quality of the relationship. So I'm really working to help the purpose unite the couple. Cause when purpose isn't shared, it will divide, right? Like if the entrepreneur is going one way and, the other one's kind of like waiting for um, the cup to the, the the scales or the energy to tip back into the marriage. Mm-hmm. We're setting everybody up for disappointment. So that's why I'm really working with the spouse to step more fully into his or her purpose so that they have that shared understanding because purpose when shared will unite the couple. But when when it's not shared, it's going to divide them. One of the things that you, you you just talked about is is the whole concept of growing apart of of yes. of division and being separated. So a couple, obviously, when they start a relationship, they have only the best in mind, and you know they're going to crush it. They're going to be the most successful couple. And but then you you've got one person that has a purpose and the other person who doesn't. So what are some of the key? questions or conversations that couples can have so that they can perform at a peak level in their marriage and mitigate some of that tension that that exists between spouses when one is growing and developing and the other feels stuck or not part of that vision. That is exactly how and why I wrote the program. Um, because when, when, especially with entrepreneurs, we're wired for growth. Like We're always looking for the edge. Like What's our peak performance and how do we get there? So we keep growing. And when the spouse doesn't, that gap only widens, right? And it's very natural for us to come back from a conference or a seminar or a workshop and like just want to vomit everything onto our spouse and like, Bleh, you know, and if the spouse wasn't there, especially if they were at home because they had to, to run the household while you were out in Hawaii or Colorado or doing whatever, you know, and they're, they've been at home and you come home and want to dump all this on them. Like there's a little bit of a like, you know, get back in the game. There's the, you know, things at home are running off the rails. And so we can't coach our spouse, right? Like I remember when I was like developing my business and my partner was trying to tell me how to do it. It was like, no, (laughs) I don't want to be coached by you. (laughs) And so this program gives spouses an opportunity to learn and grow and focus on themselves because I believe that everybody does have a purpose. And I believe that that purpose is only revealed when we step into our best self. And what does that mean? Like, am I volunteering more? Am I at the gym more? Am I meditating? Like what is best self? So the program that I wrote is designed to get um, the spouses to step fully into their best self because only when they do that, does that purpose start to show up. So I'm not looking at finances. I'm not looking at kids. I'm not looking at, at marriage or relationship. I'm looking at who you were when you came into the world. Like who are your, at your highest in your health and wellness, in your spirituality, in your character, in your thoughts and emotional life. So I can give the spouse the same content that his or her entrepreneurial spouse is getting, but I'm giving it to them in a different context in terms of where they are in their life, whether they're working in the business, in their own job or career or at home. 
it's the same content that I've used with my entrepreneur clients, but it's in the context of helping them rise up for their own good. Like it's not so that you can be a better business partner or find your dream job. It's so that you show up at your best. And when you're at your highest self, all of those things external that, externally that we want, only then can it show up. So that's what that's how I, I, I facilitate that growth so that they're growing together. So what is the most absurd, limiting belief that entrepreneurial couples face and deal with? <laughs> oh, man. Well, there's, you know, there's a lot around. I can't because he, he, he or she has the business. Like I'm just here because I have to take care. I have to take care of the kids. I have to run the house. Like somebody has to do all that. And that's true. And there's room for all of it. So the time and energy is the first and foremost, like that's the first obstacle that I have to overcome when I'm working through getting them um, into what they're doing. So that's the first exercise that I take them through is like, we're going to go through, we're going to list out everything that you have going on in your life, all of your obligations, commitments, responsibilities. And we're going to look at that inventory and we're going to start to score them. Do you love it? Enjoy it? Tolerate it? Or dread it? And if your entire list is filled with tolerate and dread activities, those are out. Like that's why you're feeling depleted because you're spending all of your time on energy on things that deplete uh, that you're either tolerating or dreading. Like, of course, you're not happy. So once I take those things out of the picture for them, whether that's through delegation or just stopping the madness, we're not going to do that anymore. It clears space, time, and energy for new and more fulfilling projects to come into into their days together. Oh man, I love that. That is amazing. I, I, I love that. So do you love it? Do you enjoy, enjoy it? Enjoy it. Do you delegate tolerate. it or tolerate it or do you uh, dread it? Yeah. Yeah. And oh, so man. this is this was reverse engineered from something I learned at Strategic Coach. And that's how we get to unique ability. You know, Dan calls it unique ability. I called it zone of genius earlier. We can call it God-given gifts. But it's when you get it, like when you're doing things that you love, that's when you get into carefree timelessness. We know it as flow, right? When entrepreneurs get into flow, like we lose track of time, we're getting great results. It's effortless. Like that is zone of genius. Right. And every time we get into this bottom end of the spectrum with things that we're tolerated and dreading, like those are the, that's the productivity suck. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we, we give those things that, that as entrepreneurs that we tolerate and dread, give it to the spouse, give it to the spouse, give it to the spouse. So of yeah. course they're bogged down. Yeah. So that's where that, that exercise was inspired. This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group, a full-service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more. Based in Oklahoma, they work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the impact entrepreneur told you to call. Yeah, there's this whole concept that I've been going through just internally in my own soul searching and desire to really tap into fully my own God-given gifts. Mm-hmm. And it's this whole concept of, of pulling out the weeds and removing the rocks yes, um, and tilling the soil so that those seeds that have been planted could actually, you know, come into blossom and, and produce the fruit that they're intended to. And, you know, th- that's a scriptural reference because there's this whole concept of 
throwing this or sowing the seeds and are you sowing them in weeds in rocky soil or are you sowing them in soil that has the ability to produce the fruit i think that one of the the primary things that it that prevents everybody from realizing their full potential is that we're not patient and you and i are quick starters if we're talking about the whole colby index and the reality is is that sometimes we're not patient enough or willing to do that digging and the weeding and the rock removing and we just push through and try to make it happen and we leave a whole set of broken relationships and dishes and ideas and in our wake so your process that you just outlined is really powerful because it actually is part of the weeding process. It's weeding out those things and finding out what those rocks are. I think it's incredibly powerful. And it's so simple. Yes. But yet so hard sometimes because it requires you to get introspective and quiet and turning off all of the noise, which is really difficult today because we live in a crazy loud world. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And you know what? Like, it's it's an art to get rid of that stuff. You know, like all of this stuff that has come into our life has served us at one point. That's why it's still here. And to let go of that takes a little bit of courage. Um, it takes patience. It takes being intelligent with where you're going to go. Like, I don't like doing the dishes. That means I'm just not going to do them anymore. Like how, you know, what are the systems that you set up to make that an intelligent, productive delegation? Right. You know, as entrepreneurs, we have drive-by delegators where we're like, just do this and there's a team that can make it happen. But for spouses, it takes a little bit more intention about how we're going to to clear the plate for that so that we can step into our own greatness. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's something like that we should be afraid of. We can, you know, there's this old saying I heard from this guy named Bishop Robert Barron. He said, in order to see the flowers, we have to appreciate the weeds, right? Yes. And we have to see them for what they are and learn from them. But then we can also let them go to make room for the gifts and the the things that are ready for us, are waiting for us. And my in-laws' neighbors are like clinically diagnosed hoarders, okay? They have stuff everywhere spilling out onto the street. It's just just chaos. And I was thinking about it. That's our mind. Like even if they bought something brand spanking new and shiny and they put it in that driveway, Mm -hmm. it would only be a few moments before it was completely lost in the chaos of everything else. And so we have to do that work to clear out the mess in order to make room for the important stuff that's really going to make a difference in our life. 100%. And that's that's one of the the modules in my program, like when you talk about the the weeds and the rocks, like 90% of those weeds and rocks are our thoughts. And the, you know, the stories that we tell ourselves, we, you know, you talk, you talk about limiting beliefs and changing the story around our marriage, what the business is doing to our marriage, you know, the cash flow and the crazy work hours and all of those things. Like it really is a practice in really paying attention to those thoughts. And I do that by, by getting them in touch with their emotions, you know, like choosing more empowering emotions and reverse engineering that so that they're, they're, they're seeing the good and finding the good and telling the good stories that empower them. Cause you know, especially for women, like 
our emotional climate really sets the, the the temperature for the whole house. And so I don't want them feeling depleted or resentful or depressed or apathetic. You know, I want them really in high vibe because when I can get them emotionally thriving, like that's where all the good stuff is. That's where we like begets like. So that's where we open the possibility for more of the good stuff to come mm-hmm, in. Mm-hmm. You know, as a as a coach, you know, your your results are directly tied to someone else taking action and implementing the coaching process, right? And it's this whether whether it's coaching spouses, whether it's coaching a football team or whatever, your success is dependent upon people executing. So how do you manage your expectations in that process and also like get people to to take action in a way that is both rewarding for you and them. So the first rule in coaching is you cannot own, you cannot be attached to other people's results, right? And so that's a conversation that I have in the intake conversation. Like you're going to get out of this what you put into it. I like, <laughs> I will lose sleep over what my clients are or are not doing or why they're not taking action. Like if, if we keep having the same conversation over and over, like we're going to back it up and we're going to go back to the get, beginning to be looking at your thoughts. Like what story are you telling yourself? Because it might be an upper limit. Like maybe people are scared of their of their strength or their power. So it's, you know, I'm always gonna be going back to their thoughts if the same tactics or strategies have not been taken yet. And they're, you know, they're they're up against that what we call ceiling of complexity. Like it's going back to their thoughts. Like what how is staying here in this spot that you're telling me is making you unhappy? Like, how is it serving you? Right. And so it's a conversation then because maybe we just need to take a different path. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a different route. And so mm-hmm. it's when I start to have the same conversations going on two, three, three chapters or three weeks into our program that we have to back it up and and look at what route we're going to take out so that they can have that momentum. You know, you've talked a lot about play and your book is all about play and your life has been about play. So what role does play take in protecting and growing a healthy relationship and the, the work-life blend? Yes. So look at your dating relationship. You know, when you think back to to where you met your wife and and the the route that that relationship took to get you to the altar, like dating is play. It's all recreation. And so play is where love grows. Play is where we lose track of time and Matthew Kelly is, you know, Catholic writer and he talked about the the concept of carefree timelessness. And when you're in carefree timelessness and you're not on an agenda and you're not up against the clock and obligations and commitments, that's where you guys see each other in your strength. And the reason I talk about play with entrepreneurs, it goes back to when in strategic coach, back when I started working with Dan, the, the tagline then was work less, make more. And so people were coming in from all over the world to get this work-life balance. And you know, they wanted these free days, the definition of free day, 24 hours, midnight to midnight, no work-related activities. So people are writing checks coming in from all over the world to learn how to have these, these free days. And so it, it was such a monumental, it's such a pivotal part of the program. We say like, okay, it's the first thing we teach you when you get to strategic coaches, how to have a free day. So quarter one, they, the participants set their goals. Here's how many free days they want. Okay, great. So they leave, they have a quarter to execute. They come back second quarter and we're like, okay, great. How did your free days go? And it's like, dude, just, <laughs> what do you mean free day? <laughs> <laughs> what was this? And we're like, oh, did the office call? No. Your partner called there was a crisis? No. Oh, you checked your email? Nope. What happened? Why didn't you get your free days? 
Kelly, they sucked. Like as soon as my family found out I was home, it was like, fix the sink, change the oil, run the carpool, cut the grass. Like I would have rather been at work because at work, we get flow, mm-hmm. right? We get, we, we, we get that carefree timelessness. We get to lose track of time. We get superior results. So we have this, and, and flow activates the same centers of the brain that drugs do. Like it, it can literally become an addiction. It's why right. we have workaholism. Play gives us that same hit at home. And it gives our spouses, if they're not working spouses, a much needed break because spouses who, who work from home or stay at home moms or dads, they never get a break. Play enriches the quality of life. It, it's the only thing that recharges batteries. So time away from work is good. Sleep is good. Like All of those things will, will preserve your battery life. Play and that sense of losing track of time and pleasure totally recharges the batteries, mm. right? Like it's the biggest, it's the biggest productivity boost. And so um, play needs to happen. Play precedes productivity. And, and so you, like when you come back from vacation and you've recharged, like you can thrive. Like we're, cause we're looking at it through a different consciousness. We know that we can't solve problems, problems at the same level of consciousness that they were created. Play completely puts you back into your strengths. It's when you get to see your partner and his or her element, right? Mm. Like, Mm. That's that's where they shine is is through that sense of play together. So what are the what are some of the questions that couples that that want to get to this not only this place where they are both on purpose but also have the ability to play? What are some questions that they can ask each other or to to stimulate a conversation? Yes, because that's that's a huge obstacle. They don't even know what they want to do anymore. Um, so. Um, I have a rhythm that I suggest 15 minutes every day, um, one date night a week, um, a quarterly getaway, an annual getaway. Like there's all kinds of rhythms that they can put in place. And it's what do you want to do? And the most important thing around this is what what kind of pace do we want? Because for some people, a play day is like, let's go like tinker in the garden and, and have some coffee and take it, take it easy and relax. And some people are like, no, like let's go like race cars and then go skydiving. And you know, like so the <laughs> that conversation would not be my wife. <laughs> <laughs> but that conversation around pace and activities and exploring. And so in the early days, it's just say yes. Like just go figure out what it is again. Like maybe it is going to be playing cards or gardening or whatever it is, but just start saying yes to anything that, that's recreational. Mm-hmm. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't, but it's going to be that, expo- that exploratory phase. And it gives you so much more to talk about because a lot of entrepreneurial couples, especially if they work together, it's like, well, we talk about is business. How have you navigated this tension of growth and play in your own life and relationships? So it's it's a way of life for me. Like it's a lifestyle. And I have a very strict no policy. Like you know, we know we know the the difference between successful people and very successful people is that very successful people say no to almost everything. And like I have a I have a really strong fun filter and that doesn't mean that I buck all responsibilities and all obligations. Like obviously I'm an adult, I'm a mom, like I I execute when necessary, but I have a pretty strong filter when the BS starts to creep in, you know, and it's mm-hmm. other people's values that, that start to get onto to ours. And I fiercely protect my kids' childhood. I, I believe that they need to be in the woods and out playing and have free time. So I fiercely protect their playtime because I think that's where they get to touch other parts of their world that's not sports or school, mm-hmm. you know, so that they're more three-dimensional and, and really in touch with all parts of their identity so that they're not just wrapped into student and athlete. That's awesome. That's awesome. That is such a challenging idea, though. The, the the protecting. I have four kids, so like you know, we're involved in the rat race of driving them to and from sports, and 
you know, getting them their homework done and all of this stuff. And I've never really thought about like protecting their, their playtime and saying, you know what, we're going to delay the homework right now because you need to go outside and play. And, and when I think about my own childhood, I, I was out, I, I got home from school. I probably did my homework, but then I was gone until like six o'clock, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we live in this world today where there, that's not really allowed for a lot of kids. They No, we have to be conscious with it. And this, like, especially with the devices now, like we didn't have these devices and, yeah. and you know, all the things that are coming out now about, um, you know, the jobs didn't even let his kids play with iPhones or iPads because, because of that device addiction. And so we don't have screens in our house and it has like, it's a, it's a conscious decision. And, and the, the most important thing is setting expectations so when my kid, my kids are in a lot of elite sports and I like set the expectation up front that we're here, we're committed and there's other, there's other things in our life. So, you know, I'm not going to sign a contract that says sports comes before everything else in life because it doesn't, you know, I just, there's, there's a clear conversation with the coaches at the, at the onset of the season that um, there, there is more in our lives than sports and we're going to be there. We're all in to a degree that's appropriate for a 10 year old and an eight year old. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not open to guilt trips or, you know, <laughs> orbiting our entire life around oh, a tournament schedule. I can, I can fall victim to the whole guilt tripping thing though. Like I, I'm a people pleaser. I love to say yes to people and to help people, but it is, it is something that I need personally to get better about not only for my own life, but to protect the most important relationships in my life, which are my spouse and my kids and, and uh, making sure that those boundaries are set and that I not only do them at home, but I do them at work as well. Right. Cause I mean, if we look at school and sports as our kids' jobs, like we don't want them to grow up to be adults where their job comes first, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's a family first environment here. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I'm giving them the filter to, to be able to establish like, this is a commitment that I've made to my team. And it's important that I'm here. Mm-hmm. And like, I've had, I've been on vacation with my boys where I get a text and it's like, oh, surprise, we're, we're having a baseball tournament tomorrow, like two hours away. And it's like, no, like, you don't just, you know, there, there has to be a protection around it. And so it's giving the kids the same filter about work-life balance. So as you and I uh, talked about earlier, we we're both quick starters and that's a concept that, that comes from this great um, assessment called the Colby index. And I'm really focused right now and, and going forward into 2018 about the, the concept of self-leadership preceding team leadership. And one of the you know, benefits of being a quick starter is that you're also a go-getter, right? You just, you have an idea and you go. But sometimes that means that we run with them and without developing or sharing the vision with anybody else. And that can leave a mess behind as we talked about before. So what's an example of a time where you maybe ran with an idea before it was fully developed? And what did you, and left a, a wake of people like, floating in the water behind you. <laughs> and what did you do to restore the, that blend of, of, uh, of vision and growth, but also connection? Yeah. You know where that shows up the most is when I facilitate, like before I went full into to working with the spouses, I was facilita- facilitating a lot of coaching programs. Like I was facilitating Lifebook and I was writing some other programs for other companies. So I was kind of the face of their program. and. Part of my unique ability is I have a really good read on 
the room when I get in. Like we can have a great plan. And as soon as I get in there, like when I'm feeling the energy or I'm hearing the conversations and I know we need to pivot because the participants or the members need something different than, than what was scripted. And I go there and it leaves the team like, what? wait, what? Like this was not part of the plan. And it, it goes to front stage, backstage. Like we got this, like project the confidence, even in my own mind when I'm like, did I make the right call? What if, you know, what if this wasn't the right call? I should have stuck to, stuck to the script. And you know, you get this background chatter. It's, it's keeping the front stage of like, it all works out. Like mm-hmm. there is nothing that's going to happen that we can't recover from. Here's why I did it. So, you know, a lot of times explaining that transition of, of why we, why I pivoted on the last minute and thanking them. Like I, that was all me. I'm sorry. Like owning the, owning the chaos that it did cause and thanking them for, for getting that transition through and that, you know, explaining that the result on the other side of that pivot or that chaos was, was where, was what my motivation was. Mm. You know, Kelly, this has been an incredible conversation. And as we begin to wind things down, I, I want to make sure that people know where they can go online to get your book and connect with you and how they could potentially work with you. Awesome. So my book is on Amazon right here. It's The Power of Play, Praise, and Purpose. And Facebook is really where I keep most of my content. And right now it's on my personal page and I'm understanding that I have to move that over to a business page. But um, Kelly Clements on Facebook is where most of my content is. And starting in January, I'm going to be taking couples through my program. So a lot of times when I talk to entrepreneurs, they're like, yes, yes, yes. My, you know, my spouse needs this. And they go home and they tell their spouse, like, I met this great woman. You know, she, she's what you need. She'll make you a better wife. <laughs> and the spouse is like, <laughs> screw you. You're the one that needs help. <laughs> and she's right. So starting in January, I'm going to be taking couples through this program so that they can get clear on who each of them are at their highest self so that they're coming together more fully, not looking for the other person to, to, to fill those it. voids that we're looking for. I love it. We just have a couple more questions that they're kind of a rapid fire type questions and you can take as long or as short with them as you want. And the, the first is what are three lies that prevent us from realizing our purpose and our potential? I don't have a purpose. I'll lose friends when I step into my greatness. And I'm a mom or a wife. I don't have my, this isn't the season of my life to pursue this. Mm, mm, I love those. Those those are incredible lies that can definitely prevent us from from realizing. And and, and there are things that we tell ourselves and that nobody else around us believes. In fact, I know for certain that when we do step into our greatness and our potential, it will actually bring people with us. It'll, people will, will be, more empowered to step into their own greatness. My personal slogan, one of the things I've done this year is I've gone back as far as I can in my memory and to my to my childhood, to the day I was born. I, you know, even though I don't really remember the day I was born, but I hear stories about the day I was born. And so I, I've created like this timeline of things that I'm good at and where people have complimented me and said that they were inspired by me or I moved them somehow. And so I came up with my own slogan. If I were a brand, it would, it would be Mike Flynn, inspiring greatness in others since 1979. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. The, the last question is, comes from the title of a book by Clay Christensen. And the title is, how will you measure your life? So the first, the knee-jerk answer is how many marriages thrive. So I'm not pro-marriage. I'm not pro-divorce. I'm pro-thriving marriage. Like, Mm. I don't want you to stick it out. I don't want you to to gut it out. Like everything goes through 
every marriage goes through season, but like how many thriving marriages are inspired because of the work that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. The real and most important answer is how my boys show up in the world. You know, how they show up as heads of households, how they sh- how they pursue their purpose and the, the legacy that they leave behind is is really where, I, like when I'm working, like everything's going back to, to the example and empowering them as strong, confident men. Mm. Kelly, this has been an inspiring conversation. You've breathed life into my own uh, view about purpose and and my own understanding of the importance of play in my own relationship with my wife. And and I'm incredibly grateful for you. And I know that our audience is going to be impacted as well. So thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you. And, you know, going back to when I met you, like, like begets like, and your light was shining just as bright. And so it's like (laughs) birds of a feather. I, I, I saw you as one of my own. So thank you so much for being open and receptive in all the stories that you shared as well. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you to this week's guest and thank you for listening. If you missed any of the key points and highlights from my conversation, we've got you covered over at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash podcast for show notes to each and every episode. And while you are there, check out Flynn Wealth Strategies and Insurance Solutions. You can do that by visiting flynnwealthstrategies.com. The Lot Marketing Group and the Podcast Masters. We could not do this show without them and with all of their support. Now, until next time, go make an impact. Mm-hmm.